we never lived in one place very long. We uh, moved around because my dad was a college professor. I spent all my time in swamps, rivers, woods. Hey, Steve Shepard here. If you're a Harry Potter fan, and who isn't, you may remember a few of the scenes that took place in Albus Dumbledore's office. In addition to the floor-to-ceiling bookshelves that covered every square inch of wall space and the obligatory phoenix in a cage that periodically burst into flames, there were piles of quill pens, stacks of notes, jumbles of arcane and unrecognizable wizardry tools, and strange stones and minerals and twitching plants, and what appeared to be countless half-finished projects covering every table and chair just waiting to be worked on. Then... In would walk Dumbledore, and the reverie of observation would be abruptly brought to a halt. The reason I'm telling you this is because I recently met Dumbledore. Actually, his name is Dick Todd, but he could be Albus Dumbledore's brother. Not only do they look alike, with the white beard and long white hair, the places where they work are very similar. Every surface of Dick's workshop is buried under mountains of car parts, oddly shaped pieces of metal and plastic and rubber and glass, tools that I couldn't begin to name, much less tell you their purpose, coffee cans full of all kinds of odds and ends, and books and magazines and drawings. I met Dick because he sent me a message shortly after an article I wrote appeared in the Journal of the Wildlife Sound Recording Society. Over the course of the next few weeks, We exchanged a series of emails as we got to know each other. Dick is a wildlife sound recordist, and his SoundCloud account is full of great recordings of frogs and birds and other beautiful ambience. But he's also an extraordinary nature photographer. But the thing that captivates me most about Dumbledore, I mean Dick Todd, is his curiosity and energy for whatever catches his attention. The reason he has piles of tools and parts lying about is because he's forever building things, things he could just go out and buy, but instead chooses to create himself. Things like contact microphones, parabolic microphones, hydrophones, complex dual strobe assemblies on telescoping arms for extreme close-up microphotography. And those are just the things he sent me pictures and diagrams of. At this moment in human history, when... The way we fix something that broke is by tossing it out and buying a new one. It's unusual and more than a bit refreshing to meet somebody who not only fixes things when they break, but actually creates complex things from scratch just for the fun and challenge of doing it. And I'm serious about the complex part. The picture that Dick sent me of his homemade parabolic dish microphone looks like something that NASA would point at Mars. So I asked him, how he came to be so curious. I've actually always loved to tinker, even from grade school. I'd go up and down alleys, and anything that somebody threw out in a garbage can, I would pull out and see why it broke and see if I could fix it. And if nothing else, I found out how things were put together. It was just always that, I guess, curiosity. I needed to know. I had to know why everything worked, even if I didn't understand it. (laughs) But there's more to it than that. My dad was an inventor. He had in his basement, his dungeon, as my sisters used to call it, was always down inventing something. 
he had the lathe, he had the drill press, he had the soldering iron, the circuit boards with drawings all over him. He invented, I don't know how many patents he had when he died. I mean, just patent after patent after patent. Dick lives in the Chicago area, and while that would pose a problem for most sound recordists, he makes it work because he's far enough away from the city that ambient noise isn't too much of a problem. Plus, he has a few areas, wildlife refuges really nearby. Problem I have where I'm at, I'm actually about two hours away from the city of Chicago. I have three places within the farthest one is half hour away. It's 3,000 acres. Uh, I have a 400-acre place that's about 20 minutes away and a 300-acre place and then a 40-acre place that are all accessible, that I have accessible 24 hours a day. This started out as another interview with a wildlife sound recordist. But the more I got to know Dick Todd, the more I realized that there's more to the guy than just that. A lot more, actually. For example, he told me about the time he heard his neighbor revving the engine of a car. So we went down to investigate. Somewhere around high school, I got into auto racing. I was shy, but I was more curious than I was shy. So I walked down, walked up the driveway and said, what is this? They invited me to the drag strip. And it was all over from then. I spent probably the next 10 years in a car, under a car, at a drag strip. And the funny thing is, at the time, I knew nothing about cars. Ah, my favorite theme, curiosity. Like I said, this started as a conversation like any other, just another person like myself who likes to go out in the woods to record the sounds of nature. But there are lessons here for everybody even business people. A few days after we recorded our interview, Dick sent me an email telling me all the things he wished he had mentioned that made him such a curious person. He told me that his grandfather was a prospector in Alaska, which is where his interest in rocks and minerals came from. He told me he used to spend a lot of time in the Lafayette, Indiana Public Library reading geology books. Some of those books, he told me, were interesting and that the pages had never been cut open, meaning he was the first person to read them. He told me how he volunteered at the Tippecanoe County Historical Museum, where his job was to try to identify the specimens in their collection. He has boxes of agates and petrified wood and tiger's eye in his workshop because his aunt was a jeweler and her kids had no interest in the minerals she collected, but he did. His dad, as you know, was a college professor, a college professor who started his own engineering college. His other grandfather was a farmer. So this guy, Dick Todd, Albus Dumbledore's long-lost brother, comes by his interest and passion organically. It's his curiosity that drives him. In fact, at one point I asked him what people should do who are just getting into wildlife sound recording as a hobby. Take the recorder and go outside. Join Wildlife Sound Recording Society, number one thing. It's the best organization, bar none, anything I've ever been involved with. Do searching on the Internet, learn what other people have, mistakes other people have made. But the biggest thing is get your butt outdoors and do it. I'd like to say that this episode is about wildlife sound recording, but it's not, at least not entirely. As I said, it kind of started out that way, but I quickly realized that what it's really about is passion and curiosity and commitment and the need to follow your dreams. We need more people like Dick Todd out there. He inspires me, makes me want to get my hands dirty, try things, make a few mistakes, just so I can fix them. 
until you start reading about what everybody else has made a mistake at, you go through a hell of a lot of mistakes yourself. Dick Todd, my personal Albus Dumbledore. Hey, thanks for dropping by. I'm Steve Shepard, the host of the Natural Curiosity Project, where we're committed to the idea that curiosity leads to discovery, discovery leads to knowledge, knowledge leads to insight, and insight leads to understanding. In every episode, we explore some topic that piqued our curiosity enough to make us want to share it with you. I hope you enjoy the journey. And if you did, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a comment over at iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you very much. We'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.